0: we Are back. Uh, redemption meditations. Uh, I am Pastor Dana Kidder from Redemption Bible Church in Bellefonte, Ohio. I'm here with Lee Jones and Steve Crum, a couple of our elders, and we're in the middle, uh, picking up where we left off in the last couple of episodes, discussing our um liturgy. How do we do our order of uh worship? And so, we talked about um, basically, we were just walking through the order. What, what are we doing? Each time that we come to church. And so we left off last time talking about songs in general, hymns specifically, um, which brings us to the preaching of God's word. So, um, why is the preaching of God's word central to our worship? We're going to probably spend a little bit of time here. But first, I'm going to throw a curveball at these guys and just ask them straight up, because this may be different for people to even call. The order of service to call it a liturgy that sounds very high church, almost even Catholic. why? what is a liturgy? Why do we call it liturgy? So I'm gonna ask Lee since he is our in-house liturgist.
1: <laughs> um, okay. well, yeah, liturgy <laughs> is is an old word. Um, so for people who take church history, um christian history seriously um it's kind of cool and i think helpful to reclaim old words and bring them into our uh our silly modern world so order of worship is good it's a bit clunky uh and so the word liturgy rolls off the tongue maybe a little easier so on a functional level i think it's a nice word for that um and second you know it's um it's a good, it's a good word. Uh, it's, it's a word that's very churchy. It's, it's got, it's already got that history there. Um, it's nice to, it's nice to use church words for
0: church things. So, so it's um, like, it's like the narthex. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or the yeah. name there, there, there's certain things that are just used in church that really aren't used in other things. Right. So like right. every kind of, um, All kinds of buildings have lobbies. Mm -hmm. So to say that your church has a lobby equates it with just any building, right? But to say that it has an Arthex. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because there's there's
1: lots of things, lots of meetings that have an order to them. You know, if you're ever part of any sort of board meeting for a company or something, there's always an order. You know, there's something we do at the top. There's, you know, the main subject that we get to last items these kinds of things that's a kind of liturgy um but a true liturgy would be an order of worship uh for a church service and in you know for anybody who's who's heard my rant about uh wanting to reclaim the word catholic from from rome <laughs> i think this is another another piece of retrieval that is uh, a worthwhile endeavor because the churches that we think of when we hear the word liturgy are not faithful churches and it's time for faithful churches to use the church language to actually do worship <laughs> properly and in the way that, that God commands it
0: be done. Yeah, so we, we could even say um, even churches that we wouldn't consider liturgical, right, uh, whatever that means, even churches that are more, very contemporary and modern um they follow some kind of order of service mm-hmm. most, Absolutely. right? Only the yeah. sort of the wildest Pentecostal churches yeah. are the ones that are just sort of, you know, seat to your pants type of thing. But most, they have a plan, they have an order. Mm-hmm. First, we're going to pray, then we're going to sing, then we're going to, you know, have the drum solo or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's, it follows an order because otherwise it would be chaos.
1: Right. So, so, yeah. so the
0: the liturgy is for specifically for a worship service, that gives the structure to to the um to the service itself mm-hmm. um so some can be uh when, when we talk about like high church low church some can be very complex right and have like responsive readings uh stand up meal you know um i've been to like some uh <laughs> roman catholic uh funerals or weddings or things like that where where I have no idea what to do, but everybody stands at the same time and they all know, and then they all get on their knees. And, mm-hmm. you know, like there's this, mm-hmm. this it, that's part of the liturgy yeah. and people are trained in that. um, Like passing uh, the peace.
1: Just... That's a very Roman Catholic <laughs> thing, too. And they did a thing. Yeah. I've actually a, a comedian did a, a bit about this where for for so long, for hundreds and hundreds of years, the church had said, uh, peace be with you uh yeah peace and also with you right and then all of a sudden the roman catholic church changed it to and with your spirit and so all the lapsed catholics that only go to christmas and easter would come in (laughs) didn't know about the change they passed the peace and then it's all what what huh huh (laughs) Huh? when when (laughs) right (laughs) this liturgy part of the thing is like it's not that it's it's being done by rote it shouldn't be that but it should add a level of order to the service that you know what's coming next. It adds yeah. a level of, of comfort and, um, repeating, repeating the good things, knowing what's coming, uh, keeps you from getting distracted. You know, oh, what's going to happen next. Oh, I don't know. It's not an edge of your seat kind of thing.
0: Yeah. So why would, are we kind of, sorry, go ahead, Steve.
2: Well, I just wanted to chime in there with what a big deal this is for someone who's, not a churched person, right? I mean, we, we the, the three of us have spent a lot of Sundays in church and, and even we would say you go to a church you've never been to before. There's just a lot of unknowns, right? Mm-hmm. So if you take somebody who did not grow up going to church, they're not a churched person and they have no idea what you people are about to do in here, you know, and <laughs> church could mean a lot of pretty wild things To be able for for someone to have a piece of paper in their hand to see what's coming next. And even some of the descriptions of what we say we're doing, the prayer of dependence. I mean, we don't go up there and say, and now the prayer of dependence, right? (laughs) It just says that in the liturgy and then we pray. But it's going to add some understanding to somebody who might otherwise be pretty lost if this is just not a normal Natural thing for them so it's a really it's a helpful tool for everybody but in particular that person who maybe this sunday is the first time they've ever gone to church
0: yeah
1: yeah that made me think of monty python where they'd say and now for something completely different
2: (laughs) right yeah exactly
0: (laughs) okay Uh, and on that note let's (laughs) let's go to the next item of our um our order which is Preaching. So the question is, why is the preaching of God's word central to our worship?
2: Well, I'll I'll jump in there and get started and I'll hand it off to Lee. I think one of the things that we're recognizing by making the preaching of God's word so central is this is the means by which God has ordained it that He's going to transform souls. That he's going to call up the spiritually dead and make them alive again. He could have done it lots of different ways, right? He could have written it in the clouds, he could have written it in the stars, he could have had the birds uh proclaim the gospel to to people, but he didn't choose to do it that way. He he chose it to do it a very specific way. Romans 10 talks about how are they gonna, how are they gonna come to faith if they don't if they haven't heard the gospel and how are they gonna Believe it if they haven't heard it. it, it he's, he's really digging down on how critical it is. How are they going to
0: hear without somebody preaching to them? Right.
2: Right. The the the, the, yeah. the critical need for someone to be preaching the gospel. This is the means by which the the kingdom expands and that sa- uh, souls are saved. This is the way he has chosen to do it. So it it would be. Something other than church, if you weren't, if it didn't at least include the proclaiming of the gospel,
0: hmm. yeah. Um, uh, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, and so we we regularly, um, uh, and I think we talked about this either last time or the time before, we we get up and read scripture, right? So, so that's part that's actually part of um, what we're doing is centering people on hearing God's word. And then that, and, um, hearing of God's word, just simply read, not, not explained, just simply read is, is, is powerful. And it, and it helps to, um, to implant God's word deep in our hearts. Right. So David says, and the, the psalmist says, I guess, is David, you know, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's part of how we do that. Um, but, but the, uh, um, I, I think maybe I even mentioned last time about um, Ezra and Nehemiah when they were coming back out of captivity into the back to Jerusalem rebuilding the walls and, and re-establishing the nation after their captivity um, uh, they they gathered the, the nation together and Ezra read God's word like for half a day and then the priests went around in basically in small groups right so think of I don't know thousands or a million people, whatever, they went around in small groups, and it says they gave the sense. They explained God's word to people, right? So we can read passages. It, it ha- Preaching has to involve more than just simply reading God's word, right? It, it, it isn't less than that, but it has to be more than just simply standing up and reading it. it it's also a giving the, of the sense, and so the preacher, uh, not only does he say here's the gospel but he also says here's what this means but here's what this means based on scripture not here's what i think this means but here's what it means so so you can like a a good preacher will tie um different passages you know tie old testament to new testament right so so how does the law how does the day of atonement in leviticus 16 what in the world does that have anything to do with us Well, that one's easy, right? Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So we can tie that together really simple. But Well, I have – so I have two thoughts, I
1: guess two different – Just
0: start with this. Dana, Dana, let me interrupt you right there. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. I have a very powerful and urgent thought.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So one – so thought number one, uh, I like to think about – the old Puritan saying about how the Lord's day is the marketplace of the soul. And, uh, so uh, when we gather for worship on the Lord's day, you know, we're, we're gathering all sorts of things. Um, and the main, the main meal, the main course, maybe maybe think of it as a meal. Uh, so we are we're having, we, the table is laid now for, uh, a fine meal, for a family, family dinner, right? That, so corporate worship as, as family dinner. Um, we, we've gotten to eat a lot of courses uh, up, up before we, uh, we hear the sermon and the sermon comes out. And that is the, the main, the main dish that we're all looking forward to. It's the well-marinated steak that's going to be served to everybody. It's the meat of the sermon. The sermon is the meat uh, of this meal but it's it, it's a well prepared. It's a prepared. It's not just raw meat. It's marinated. It's been. It's tenderized. You know. It's been. The word has been forced through, um, the thinking of the pastor, uh, or or the or the elder who's filling the pulpit. Whoever it is that Sunday, um, the the word has been processed. It's being presented in such a way that uh, that we're that we're bringing meaning out of the text and making application it's something that's easily digestible for the congregation so that's why i mm-hmm. like to think of it as like a well-marinated steak or uh, or a roast or something but then we've had the benefit of lots of side dishes up till now um scripture open readings the, to open bridge, the palate to open yeah, yeah. exactly yes precisely yeah. things that complement and point us get us eager for for the main dish um, mm. Then in another sense, corporate worship is uh, just a series of revelation and response as well. You know, we be, we begin with a passage of scripture as the call to worship. We have a hymn that we sing. Actually, we sing two hymns after the call to worship. But constantly we're being presented with more scripture and then either prayer or singing almost as a response. And it keeps going this way. And the main revelation brought during a worship service is that sermon you know typically a 35 40 45 minute sermon where the word is being brought to the people uh, but it's been the word forced through the uh the logic of of uh not only scriptural interpretation but even to a certain degree the the thoughts and and personality of that pastor too presenting it in a way that people
0: can understand and digest yeah mart martin lloyd jones um the doctor he calls preaching no logic on fire no no you are i'm sure that you're his grandson he calls um he calls preaching logic on fire you know it's it, it here's point, what god point. says and the preaching of it is like it's burning in my bones and i have to tell you this i have to explain this to you it's it's paul in in um Romans chapter one, when he when he begins the letter to to the Christians at Rome, um, you know he he clearly um, he's never met them, but he loves them, and he's writing to them saying that he longs to go. You know, here are my plans. And I'm longing to go see you. And he says it's in it's in Romans one. 15 and 16 he says so i'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in rome for i'm not ashamed of the gospel It is the power of god for salvation to everyone who believes to the jew first and also to the greek and it's almost like the rest of the whole book of romans he like he, he says that and then he says and here's what that means and he just for chapters goes on and on and on about, you know, uh, the, the, so we talk about indicatives and imperatives, right? So the indicatives come first, they indicate something, the imperatives are the, are the things that you must do, right? It's imperative that you do this. And so he, he goes through, um, what is it? 11 chapters of indicatives. Here's what God has done. And then he gets to chapter 12 and there's this, um, closed at the end of chapter 11, the beginning of chapter 12, it's like, um, therefore present your bodies as living sacrifice right so there then becomes the imperative of okay so i've said here's all that god has done now go do this Mm -hmm. and that's sort of you know if if you read through uh hebrews the book of hebrews i'm convinced is a sermon right it's a it, it reads like somebody got up and preached it um but if you read through like romans in the same way it's 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 an incredible sermon, but it's like a sermon of just, um, I'm gonna pre- I'm so eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome, and here's what I have to say, <laughs> you know, just, and he just pours out this like systematic theology and, and, and all of this throughout the book, and, and, um, and that's that idea of being logic on fire, that, that mm-hmm. the truth of the gospel is burning in, the, in that case in the apostles' bones, and he just mm-hmm. has to say it to people. He just yeah. has to tell the people what God. The, in, in the Old Testament, um, in Habakkuk and a couple of the other minor prophets, um, they're called um, the 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 letters, the prophecies that the prophets give. Um, I'm thinking, especially if Habakkuk, is the oracle. But that word oracle can be translated as burden. And there's the it's like there's um, there's this heavy burden that Habakkuk has been given, and he must. Um, he must u- unload that burden. He has to say these things. In Habakkuk's case, he cries out to God, um, and and it becomes that's kind of a unique book in that it starts with him talking to God and God responding to him. But most of them, they've been given a burden by God to say to the people, and and that's the idea of preaching is is also that it is. We have to be careful here. It's prophetic in that way of. I've been given a burden and mm-hmm. I have to get this out to the people. Does yeah. that make sense? That, that yeah. idea of the prophetic there? Yeah. Uh,
1: and yeah. I, I like it's a, it's a short verse, but it's in Jeremiah 20 where he says, you know, like, if I don't, if I don't mention him, uh, the, it's like a, a fire in my bones and I can't keep silent. I think that's very similar in that vein that that comes yeah. to mind often too. When, when speaking about this, like the urgency of it, um, it's like a fire that will consume you if you don't vent it, if you don't actually present that message that you've been, that God's called you to preach.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I think that there's a, I don't know if a, if it's a parallel here, but w- along with the reading aloud of scripture, we're going to get that in the preaching because we're going to stay anchored to the text in some way, and we're going to tend to with a few exceptions preach through books of the Bible. Again, we're getting some of the same benefits as along with the reading, like we're going to run across stuff we wouldn't have put in our Bible, you know, but it's in there. And so we got to <laughs> yeah. deal with it. And, you know, God has something to say in these verses that we wouldn't have put in our magical book, but you know, it's his book, he gets to put what he wants in there. So we get that same benefit again, along with the reading of the word. But now it's even better. Because now we're going to expand, we're going to go deeper here. Like first, so first of all, you're going to have people in the room, if you just read it, sometimes they're going to say, I don't know what that means. You know, Peter even says, I don't get some of what Paul writes. You know, like that needs some explanation. So you're going to run into that, of course. And so we need someone to explain it. But the, we're also going to expound on it and help us clarify the what the author of this book, the ultimate author, capital A author, you know, the one who carried along the writers, uh, yeah. the Holy Spirit, uh, is intending to communicate to us. As opposed to, here's what these verses mean to me. That's not that's not the <laughs> kind of preaching we're going for here. We're trying to help Uh-oh. people understand with clarity. This is the message that's being given to us by the one who originated the message, right? The the really originated the message, and and that's tremendously helpful. And and uh, th- that's how you get uh, people. To understand the gospel in a way that they might not if they just read through the book of Romans, for example, mm-hmm. it's in there. But we're able, as one person talking to another, to say, "Let me, let me help you understand what that means." And then, and then to go on, this is what it means for us. This is the imperatives. Just like you said, this is what it means for uh, what we're going to do as far as going from here, which is a huge mm-hmm. benefit to the everybody in the room
0: yeah and that and that um emphasizes the uh, the need for two things so we've talked about um the the Holy Spirit you mentioned the Holy Spirit like the 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 Holy Spirit is active in the in the preaching in the preparation and in the preaching right so some people say They'll, they'll kind of criticize people like us who say, I oh, put so much effort into the preparation, you leave no room for the Holy Spirit. Well, w- we actually believe that the Holy Spirit is actually with me when I'm preparing as well, right? right? Or, or whoever's yep. preaching, um, that the Holy Spirit is involved in all of that. And actually that's why that kind of stresses the, the sort of the, um, uh, the, the behind the scenes um, of sermon prep needs to be wrapped all up in prayer right mm-hmm. it is a dependence upon the spirit um and then and then the other thing at this this conversation and even the idea of the the preached word why this is so so why this is so important so not only are we dependent upon the holy spirit but also the the study and preparation of of the preacher right so um everybody's different and it, and, and sometimes sermons come faster than others so for example last week I tend to, I try to set aside two days a week for sermon study. That doesn't mean 16 hours, you know, or whatever, but, but I try to set aside two days a week for sermon, like study and then writing, like putting it all together. And, and last week, the usually Friday is my day that I put it all together. And it like by two o'clock in the afternoon, it was done. That doesn't happen very often. Wow. Usually wow. it's dinner time um, or later. And often into Saturdays, which is what it looks like. It's going to be this week, but but sometimes it comes quickly, but it still is a, a significant amount of study, and it's a lifetime of study, too. It's, it's um, like, it, it, it's drawing on a, 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 sometimes, so it's drawing on an education, on a life in the church, um, on, uh, you know, college at work, and, and other readings and writings. It's pulling all of these things together, and that's, the Holy Spirit does, uses all of those things. The Holy Spirit uses those ordinary means in order to explain things right so the apostle paul um was among the most in fact paul was probably the most prolific writer of the new testament luke and john also wrote large chunks of the new testament luke wrote both luke and acts and then john wrote john first second third john in the book of revelation um and then and then paul wrote so much of of the epistles um so between the three of them they wrote a lot of the book of um, a lot of the New Testament, and Paul was probably the most highly educated um, of all of the apostles mm-hmm. um, in the Jewish world that he grew up in. Um, certainly, more than any of the other apostles um, of the original twelve or eleven. By the time yeah. we get, he yeah, really
1: he went to school, month. like
0: he, <laughs> yeah, he actually at the study of uh, Gamaliel, right? Yeah, and um, and Luke was a doctor, so he was very educated, and his account of Luke and Acts. They, uh, they read like somebody who knew how to interview subjects. It's very methodical, very detailed. Um, and, and so th- this, is, uh, this is not to say that uneducated people can't write, but it is helpful. And, um, and and so Peter was a fisherman. John was, John actually is a better example. John was a fisherman and wrote as much, I don't know, I've not added up the word, I don't know who actually wrote more than the other, but he wrote a ton. Of the new testament as well and so it doesn't really matter on it doesn't matter on education um as far as in and of itself it is the the spirit has to be involved in this um but but the preparation has to be there it can't just be spur of the moment right i guess that's where i was going with all of that
1: it it has to be there if you're going to actually preach in the way that scripture commands preaching be done uh you know which we would we would classify that as sequential exegetical preaching uh meaning you you take a a text of scripture and the meaning of your sermon comes from the meaning of that text and then in beginning at the at the start of a book of the bible and preaching sermon by sermon through that book however long that takes um it's a totally different scenario if you're in like a a mega church uh kind of kind of place and uh and the preaching is you know, leadership principles or, you know, the three ways to lead your family or, or whatever that kind of, kind of thing is, even though that might be helpful teaching, but preaching is a different, is a whole different
0: thing? It's its own thing. so So when we talk about preaching and what, and what I was talking about, about preaching, I'm actually talking about like within our liturgical idea, right? So I'm talking about getting up on Sunday week after week and, and preaching, or I mean, you guys, you know, each of you uh, preach fairly regularly at the church. And so y- you put all that kind of effort into it, and you have the educational background of growing up in the church. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, e- even if it's self-education, I, I don't, I don't, I'm as self-educated as anybody. So I, I don't put that down at all. But it's that, it's the, what you know from the background and, and actually working on putting together a sermon that's coherent and understandable mm-hmm. and gives the sense to what you're actually preaching about. So, I, so the, I wanted to just point that out that we're talking about that and not, not just simply sharing the gospel with your neighbor, which also can go under that, like that Hebrews, I mean, Romans chapter 10 passage, how they hear without someone telling like, but yeah, we're all commanded to to preach the gospel in that sense, right? To share mm-hmm. a reason for the hope that is within us, to, to make decide. We're all commanded to do that, and that that does, that can be as simple as Christ died for your sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again. Like that can be simple. It doesn't have to. You don't have to have a giant education or yeah. or see episode one about the gospel. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And the other thing I want to point out on this is, is that this also, and maybe this kind of goes to what Lee just said about, like, compared to um, the, the the felt needs type, type of uh, sermon, you know, or talks or whatever, where uh, three ways to be a better husband or something. Mm-hmm. Um, part of what drives us in preaching the way that we do through books of the Bible um Part of that is to understand the whole picture of, of God's word. That's, uh, and I think uh, Steve talked about this a minute ago. That's how you get to some of the passages that are difficult. You know, It forces you to deal with, um, it forces you to actually believe that all scripture is inspired and profitable, right? Um, but part of that is in Peter says in his second letter, and I find this to be incredible. So the apostle Peter who spent a lot of time with jesus and even saw him in his transfigured state before the cross saw him arrested crucified spent time with him resurrected stood there his mouth hanging open as you know jesus ascended into heaven um uh, was there at pentecost he said this in his second letter um he said so this is second peter chapter one verse 16 for we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and when we preach the gospel, we're not just talking about myths that we have put together. He says, we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. For when we received, he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. They saw the transfiguration. That's what he's talking about. He says, we heard this very voice born from heaven. We were with him on the holy mountain. So if anybody can say, hey, my experience is this. He goes on to say, and we have a prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. And then he says, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. So so what he's saying is, look. We, I, experienced Jesus in his glory in the transfiguration. I saw, he doesn't use the words here, but he saw Moses, right? He saw um, Elijah. He he saw the glory of God on the mountain. He heard the father's voice. um, And he says, but what is more uh, authoritative is the word of God. We we have the he he says we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. Pay attention to it. Pay attention to God's word. Don't don't worry about the the, the stories of amazing things that I claim to have seen. Pay attention to God's word. And that's why when we preach through um, books of the Bible, we're, we're saying that right. It, it almost it doesn't matter what my experiences are. This is God's word. Mm -hmm. and this is what is our authority is god's word
1: oh yeah sorry i started preaching there maybe (laughs) (laughs) and that and that's a that's a perspective on on scripture that evangelicalism has largely abandoned
2: yeah there's a couple things we hold to and how we do preaching at rbc what one is that we're not going to just walk up there cold on sunday and just flip the bible open and put our finger down and say okay here's what it says here's what this means to me right we're gonna sit down and dig in and bathe it in prayer and we're gonna labor long before sunday morning on this sermon on the one hand and yet so, so what we're not going to do is sort of stand on the edge of the field, lean on our shovel, and pray for a bountiful harvest. You know, we're going to do some labor and pray for a bountiful harvest. But we're we're going to get in there and dig, and we're also not going to say be particularly impressed with our own wisdom or abilities, and know that this is the Holy Spirit at work in our labor, and He's He's faithful to vindicate his gospel and he's faithful to use guys like us you know for all our shortcomings and faults and and misunderstandings and all all of our errors he's faithful to overcome that and so he's going to bless our work that week prior to that sermon as opposed to through it through a dart at the dartboard and here's what i think about this we don't do that
0: We don't. Well, I don't. No, we don't, I don't know. We don't. Uh, you we guys, don't. Uh, maybe you guys do. I don't. No, <laughs> no, no, we don't. <laughs>
2: Pretty sure you did. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. O- yeah. I've, I've got years, nothing to add to that.
0: Yeah, I mean, over so so o- over the years, um, I, I've heard I've heard older pastors say. You know, like long seasoned pastors say that their their time of preparation gets shorter. I have not come to that point in my life yet.
2: <laughs> You're just not old enough yet, I guess.
0: Yeah, I guess not.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that kind of reminds me, it's a little bit related, but I heard uh, I heard John Piper say somebody came up to him after I think he'd spoke at like a conference or something and said, you know, wow, you know, thanks so much for your sermon. You know, how long did it take you to write that? And he said, about seventy years, yeah. Because he said I wouldn't yeah. have been able to preach what I preached there had I not lived a life. Because his own his own experience, you know, he learned things over the course of over time that that changed the way he delivered uh, timeless truth, um, and and made it better. So he's like, there are going to be sermons that that you'll only be able to preach after you've you know lived. Uh, a certain certain amount of years and, and i yeah. just thought that was very very interesting and insightful as as the new kid on the block
0: i guess so to speak do you have theme music you could put in here <laughs> i don't
1: know it not anymore. royalty know free
0: <laughs> no, to it's on. too expensive <laughs> <laughs> um okay so uh what Usually, right at the end of the sermon, after, I usually close in prayer. Right, that kind of closes us, and then um, then we come to the Lord's table, um, and it, it really was it was in um, it was actually in 2020. So I car- I started coming to the con- to the uh, um, conviction um, that we should come to the table more regularly. So just as a little bit of background, um, at at RBC years ago. Um in fact, when I came in 2012, uh there had been a few years of difficulty before I got there. And um, and then a few years after I got there too. Um, but for a few years there'd been some difficulty. And um I remember an, a senior saint uh lady who is in glory now um asked me if we were going to do that thing again. Um and I what what do you mean that thing? Um, you know with the little cups and uh, she could she just couldn't think of the name but I don't know how long it had been um, oh, since God. they had taken communion my, my guess is it maybe hadn't been all that long um, she was sort of kind of a shut-in at the time um, especially in the winter time she wasn't getting out much and so so it may have been months and months since she had okay. been there and they'd done communion um, so I don't want to just say they hadn't done it in so long but but it wasn't a regular thing. And um, uh, so we started doing it and I started doing it sort of when I thought of it, which kind of ended up being about every five or six weeks, I would think of it and I put it all together and we'd um, include it in the service. And then um, then I wanted to get more regular about it and um, uh, and do it every month. And so for Several years, we did it like the first weekend of the month. Um, but during 2020, when we really had a lot of time to think <laughs> um, <laughs> I, 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 about a lot I, of things, really, <laughs> and it was really kind of leading up to that, I was already thinking about it and and um, and, and having some conversations uh, about it. Uh, but became convinced that we we ought to do it regularly, um, weekly, and so we could have a whole discussion about why we do it weekly. Um, but but every and week I want to have we, that discussion, and we yeah maybe we should do it next week. But every week we um uh as soon as the sermon's over, so your I think call and response thing that I was it Lee? Did you say that like the yeah. the service is almost like a call and response throughout the service, and so now we've we've heard from God's word, and the only response is to um to to eat and drink. And, and and rest right in in him. Be you know, it, we could almost argue that the response is actually still it's still God feeding us, right? It, mm-hmm. It's connected to the sermon yeah. in that way. Um, but but why do we do it at all? Let me just throw that question out there, and then I'm going to let this cat out that keeps meowing at my feet. <laughs> so go ahead. Well, well I we, mean, I would.
2: Well, I, I would just say there's there's three things we're, we're accomplishing, we're remembering, and we're proclaiming, and we're celebrating. So we're remembering and proclaiming and celebrating uh, Jesus' body broken for us, Jesus' blood shed for us. And we're doing it in a very tangible way. I mean, we're literally holding on to a piece of bread and, and eating it and holding a cup with juice and uh, drinking it, as opposed to simply reading a passage of scripture, we're uh, recognizing that this is this is the the event upon which the the gospel it's the fulcrum on which the gospel hinges. Right, this event where Jesus uh, suffered and died for his people and then rose from the dead and conquered death and sin on their behalf. This is all in the same way that saints who have been saints for, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years still need to hear the gospel. Mm. We don't take communion once and say, okay, I've done that. What's mm-hmm. the next thing? Right. Go ahead, Lee. I, I think I cut you off there.
1: No, you're good. I was gonna say m- much the the same as what you said. Um, one thing I would I would add um around that is you know there's a few different um views of the Lord's Supper that different Christian denominations and traditions hold, and uh, for us, I think part of the reason that we that we have the conviction to uh to observe the supper weekly is because there really is spiritual significance and power behind what we do when we eat the bread and drink the cup uh we are being our faith is being fed it's being nourished uh by Christ um you know at the same time that we are eating only bread <laughs> we're drinking only juice you know we're not we're not saying that the bread is turning into the the flesh of Christ we're not saying the blood, the wine is the juice or wine is turning into the blood of Christ. Uh, no, the, the individual elements don't change. But just as our worship is happening simultaneously with the saints in heaven right now, uh, worshiping at the same time, we're worshiping in tandem with them. We are also we are eating physical food and drinking physical drink, but we are also feeding on spiritual food in a very real sense it might not be the spiritual sense might not be tangible to us the way that the bread and the juice is tangible in that we can taste it we can swallow it our bodies will digest it but very in a very real sense simultaneously with that uh, christ is uh, we're feeding on christ Hmm. there's an
0: element to it too that it that um and and I I didn't really catch this until preaching through Leviticus, but the covenant meal, um, like confirming the covenant, right? So so in in the in the old covenant in the Sinai covenant, um, the mosaic. So Mo, Moses received like the covenant is um, um, it's not it's before it's established. Is the covenant is given made the promise is made in in Exodus nineteen, and then the the commandments are given um and that is in chapter thirty
1: 24. To 24 well i'm i'm thinking in 24 is when the people reconfirm uh their their acceptance into the covenant i believe it's 24
2: i think another thing that's important to recognize about uh what we do at rbc is we try to protect the table in the sense that we're trying to make a clear uh Distinction between those who have come to repent, saving repentance and faith, and those who are sitting in the room who maybe, maybe they don't buy any of this stuff at all, or they just have questions. They're just not there yet, right? And and we are careful every week to explain that this is for those who have come to repentance and faith. And if you're just not there yet, that's okay. You know, we're not mad at you, but the the these things aren't for you yet and don't stay there, but these right. things aren't for you yet. That's not a bad thing to have that distinction. It's right. a representation of some, some bigger eternal spiritual things uh, and, and hopefully gets people thinking about, I need to work out my salvation with some fear and I need to wrestle this out and and do the the work I need to do to, figure out what do i believe. Mm-hmm. That that's a good thing to mm-hmm. kind of, you know, prod people on with that. And,
1: and also uh, one other thing i want to make sure i mention too. Doing it every week has not in, in any sense made it less special. Uh that's an argument that some people will make that well if we have the supper every week it'll it just won't be special anymore. Um i we've been doing saw, this for 3 I years. It's recently...
0: only... Sorry.
1: No, 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 go ahead, go ahead.
0: I, I saw recently somebody said we should have coffee at church once a month so that it be, is more special. It'll taste better. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: that <laughs> that was similar to what I was going to say because like, oh, so Sorry, we're ahead. only gonna we're only gonna sing hymns once a once a month. <laughs> uh, we're only gonna hear a sermon once a quarter. Those things are special every week. Uh, every time we do them, it always feels special to stand and, and sing. Um, so why would it be any less special? uh to do a thing that Christ has commanded us to do when we gather um and so and sometimes i think the only way to 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 be convinced out of that argument is to experience it you just need to come and yeah. eat that bread and drink that cup every week in and, and you will know just how special it is especially if your church is um if you, if the pastor is presenting the ordinance well is fencing the table well and reminding, because it's constant. Church is constant reminders of what God's done, and um, reminding us the importance of it. And um, in, in the words of institution are very important, I think, for for that. Especially um, if we're if we're presenting the table properly, I don't think it loses its uh, significance in any way. I think it, frankly, it's gotten more significant for me the longer we've observed it week by week. And that, but that's just my experience.
2: I think it's a weird argument, actually. I think. You know, you could say, I want uh, my meal to be really special. So I'm only going to eat once every 25 days.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well,
1: right. that
2: whatever you're having is going to taste really good. It'll be special. Yeah. yeah. But
1: <laughs> I'm not sure not.
2: that's that doesn't mean that's the best way to do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're if you're dying of dehydration and then someone hands you a glass of water, man, that's the greatest glass mm-hmm. of water you'll ever drink in your life but that might not be a good way to do that yeah you know to well
1: really that logic is really only consistent with somebody that has what we would call the mere memorial view where the supper is only about remembering there's no more significance to it other than just remembering that Jesus died well if you're made to think that same thought every week maybe it gets less special although still even in that I don't saw, see how that loses its significance but I think really when when you when you come to understand the the spiritual the the raw spiritual power uh behind the the bread and the cup uh no there's no way for it to get less less impressive less important less significant here i stand
0: (laughs) (laughs) can you do any other you can do no other i think i think not i think i can do no other (laughs) All right, so we should pick up that conversation about the supper again um, in a future episode because I want to keep going on on a few things there. But but there's two other elements to our regular weekly worship that I want to get at. One is um, following the supper, we usually do a, some sort of congregational response, which is typically we sing a song in response. Um, my favorite to do is the doxology. It's so simple. Um, And sometimes our church and my pastor did this growing up when actually whenever we would do communion, um, he would have us all get together, like move to the center and hold hands and uh, just as a symbol of unity and and communion. Um, And we do that sometimes. uh, But we near the end of that gathered worship, um, the, the assembly of the saints, as we as the church, we should respond to the proclaimed word of God. Um, he has spoken to us, right, through those ordinary means of grace, all through the the um, uh, all through the service, all through the liturgy, and so our response should be one of praise and trust and um, uh, thankfulness and obedience, right? So it should be those songs that are um, that proclaim something along those lines, right? So that's where the doxology is so good. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Um, and 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 part of the response to this, in, in my thinking, in this at least, is um, that w- w- we we've kind of been um, we've been, we've been called to worship. We've been ex- exhorted and encouraged from God's word. We've we've sort of done some of the duties of like. Um, 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 uh, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, you know, we, we've done some of those things that we're called to do um, to God and to one another, we've given to the church, um, and, and so there's an element of sort of a um, onward Christian soldiers <laughs> type of thing where we're called to now, okay, now yeah. go and um, uh, be doers of the word and not hearers only, right? Yeah
1: that that's what i wanted to say on that because and we even title it this way in our liturgy where we begin the, the hymns that we begin the service with are are titled as hymns of praise and so we have a particular theme that we're singing in those hymns usually we have that hymn before the sermon and a lot of times that's the hymn that um that we're aiming to have like a thematic connection with the sermon almost in a preparatory way to to sing the truth that the that the sermon is going to proclaim based on that passage. And then really that last hymn as a response is also kind of a, a, a commissioning hymn. Uh, almost not, uh, obviously not quite the same, but almost like the way that Israel responds in the Mosaic Covenant, all the words that that the Lord has said we will do, even though it doesn't fit exactly that, but it is a response we've heard. We've, you know, we've ascended the hill of the Lord together uh, and and we, we're now going to, come down from the hill and go about our vocations it's sort of a you know like you said an onward christian soldiers facing
0: a task a unfinished of, a, a, a psalm of dissent yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah as as a way to kind of steal ourselves to to go back and re-enter the world again
0: hmm. yeah okay and then and then we usually finish with a benediction what is the benediction It's kind of a, a,
2: a final blessing, right? Before we disperse, it's one last... I mean, it's how we end this podcast, right? Uh, Lee, Lee gives a final benediction at the end of each podcast, and that's one that we've used at the end of our service, but we use a bunch of different ones. There's, there's several. Paul, I think, in almost all of his letters, has a benediction somewhere. It's usually right at the end, but not always. Sometimes he he has a benediction and then he's mm-hmm. kind of like got to Oh, and uh, let me throw a yeah. few more things in there, <laughs> yeah. you know, say hi to these guys or, or things like that. Mm-hmm. But it's, and it's in one... conclusion, chapter two. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like a blessing part, for the road, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Before yeah. you hop in the car and take off, let me let me throw one more blessing at you here.
1: I like the one that happens at the end of I believe it's Second Corinthians, where it's it's very similar to the words of the Apostolic greeting, you know, grace and peace uh, from God, our Father and Lord. so so he says grace uh, um the the grace of of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. be with us all evermore. Amen. And I really and that's a that's like a classic benediction text. Um it's used in the Book of Common Prayer, for example, at the end of uh, the daily office, um and lots of other prayer resources use that as sort of the end the, the verse that you would remind yourself of at the end of, of a time of prayer. So and, and like you said Steve, there's lots of benediction texts and they're throughout the whole throughout the whole Bible. So it's 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 another way of getting the Bible in our in our people's ears uh in all the in all it, of its different frames and, and
0: themes. It it's interesting. So just yesterday I was meeting with a couple of local pastors and for lunch and we were talking about um some of these things actually and and um and i was we were talking about the the benediction and um uh the the Aaronic uh benediction so aaron's the the priestly benediction in numbers chapter six um that is so god god gives that he he says to moses say this to aaron and have aaron say this to the people right and it, so this and it's very specific say these things the people and that um that benediction is like is from god specifically um so all scriptures inspired by god but the new testament benedictions um uh sort of are are in light of that right so so in numbers chapter six um the lord bless you and keep you so in you just quoted from second corinthians that final um, it's the last verse of Second Corinthians. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Like, there's this whole sense of in the New Testament, it's even fuller because mm-hmm. uh, the the revelation has been given. Right? We now know of Jesus Christ. We now know, yeah. like, we know His name. Right? We knew that there was going to be a Messiah, but now we know His name. It's Jesus. We know who He is, what He's done. We have the Holy Spirit, and so this there's this. This blessing, and it's a good bookend, I think, for the the apostolic greeting at the beginning, which is which is also a, a blessing, right? Mm-hmm. Grace mm-hmm. to you and peace from God the Father. Um, but we could say that at the beginning because yeah, it's true, because it's finished work of Christ. And so you, you have the grace and peace uh, at the beginning of the service, and then you know, like the Lord bless you and keep you at the end of the service as the the final the final charge that you hear from the pulpit, right? Where um, the you are, it, it's sort of of um, putting words to our salvation and the blessing that we have from God. So it's, it's, there is therefore now no condemnation. Here's why. Look, the grace to you and peace, all this stuff that we've done, that Christ has done, that we've been proclaiming, we haven't, we've only done it, I mean, in that we've had a worship service right Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. christ has done all of this stuff in the the liturgy and that we've proclaimed and 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 the response is oh and another blessing from god grace upon grace kind of thing grace upon grace and so do we have time for one one more thing i don't i have no idea where we're at with time right around an hour okay so the the other thing that I would put sometimes into our liturgy is baptism. Do you, should we do a separate? um Yes, a separate app on Probably. just baptism. Yeah. Okay, let's
1: do that. <laughs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> yeah, we like
0: baptism. <laughs> Dip it, don't sprinkle. Something. It's a, it's a <laughs> teaser. I,
1: I think, yeah, well, it just, yeah, just to, just to say briefly, since we did touch on one ordinance, it would, it seems fair to just say a little bit, the, the ordinance of baptism, and we're credo Baptists, and so we baptize people upon profession of faith in Christ, but, um, but that is an ordinance of the church, just like the supper, and so it is, it is proper and right to do baptisms um, when the church is gathered um, and to make it a matter of the order of worship, uh, when they do occur, you know, obviously it's not going to occur every week the way that the supper does, but when they do occur, you know, it is, it is right and fitting that it should be done before the church because it's, it's entering the church.
0: Yeah. Based on your profession of faith. Right. So, um, the, the, the baptism is, um, uh, the profession of faith is the, is the confession. Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Right. And on this, I will build my church. Jesus Mm -hmm. had said, Matthew 16. And so when someone confesses that um, we, we baptize them because they have already been spiritually baptized into Christ, right? They've already been immersed into Christ. And so we baptize them in front of the whole church as a way to bring them as a way to be obedient to the command um, as a way to graphically illustrate they're, they're, they're dead to sin and alive to Christ, um, raised to walk in newness of life, Romans chapter six. And, um, uh, so it's a obedience. It's an identification. It's a, it's a tangible, uh, um, um, like people see it. They, they can hear the water, like in our setting, mm-hmm. whether we go to a pond or the river, or we use an inflatable hot tub, um, in, in our setting, they can, they can see, they can hear, um, uh, you know, it, it, it's a, it's an, it's a, it's a God ordained um, um, illust- sermon illustration, or I want to say, or drama. Say word. Yeah. Drama. That's what I was thinking of. Um, it, it is, it is the same thing with the, with the, the with dinner, the supper. the supper, right? It's, it is what God says, do this, mm-hmm. you know, in remembrance of me in, in the supper, in the baptism, it's the same way, go and do this. And so we do it. And they are now immersed into Christ, which means they're they're added that day, as Acts says. So they're a part of God's people. Um, so so the baptism, like their their spiritual baptism, their salvation happens internally. The Spirit does that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the job of the elders, I believe, to um, to to um, see that their confession is credible in in his whatever ways that we can i believe that's part of the whole mm-hmm. um, authority of the elders and holding the keys and then um once it we believe that yes you actually uh, the, the baptism is actually us saying to them and to the whole church um yes we believe that this person is a regenerate renewed uh born again believer in jesus christ and a part of our people a part of this church yeah. part of us this, this local congregation yeah this local congregation right yeah
1: be a churchman get baptized
0: ah, nice. <laughs> yes yes please do okay oh. any other concluding thoughts on this section
1: no i am thoughtless I
0: think we hit it i have i have um a couple of book recommendations that are connected to all of this discussion um the, the first one that I have is, uh, um, this one's a little bit heady, so some of the language is very, is old English, um, but, but it's, it's the Westminster, uh, the Westminster Directory of Public Worship. Westminster. Yeah, I um, know, so some of uh, them I agree with. Um, they don't use enough water, but It is an excellent excellent reason. Lee left. He's gone. Walked out. Is he
2: back there on the couch? (laughs) Oh, he's back. Okay.
1: I had my little like James Brown (laughs) fainting moment and had to be revived.
0: Okay. (laughs) So this this version is actually discussed at the beginning by Mark Dever and Sinclair Ferguson, but there's some good helpful resources in it. Um, And then the other one that I also like is by daniel hyde it is what to expect in reformed worship a visitor's guide oh cool and i think this is this is more for the the person coming in what Mm -hmm. what will a typical kind of church look like like we're talking about um so this is a good one for so so the first one is good for if you really want to know why we do what we do this one is good if you're just coming into it so it's sort of the basics what about you guys
1: Steve what recommendation do you bring
2: So I've got a couple here but I'll I'll just do one um for for this week I'll save the other one for next week but um I haven't I haven't again I haven't finished it but I've been uh uh I just started today actually reading uh praying the bible by Donald mm-hmm. Whitney Um we talked about uh we talked about prayer and I think part 2 part uh, one, I can't remember, but uh, he, he talks a little bit about just feeling like I'm stuck. I'm just praying the same thing. What am I doing here? And and in our uh, in our frailty, sometimes we can be frustrated with prayer, our prayer life, and what I just don't know how to do this. And he he really tries to address that frustration. And uh, like I said, I haven't finished it. I just started today, but it it it's really good. It's easy to read. I think it's like ninety pages, so very very accessible for anybody. If you just feel like I'm not sure what I'm how I'm supposed to do this, it'd be a great place to start.
1: He also introduces that really cool. He calls it the Psalms of the Day plan. Yes. I've recommended that to different people, where you start the day with whatever the date number of the current day is. And then yep. you keep adding 30 until you run out of Psalms. And that can be both a reading plan as well as just looking for some biblical language to kind of kickstart your your prayers, which is really, really cool. I really like. I use that personally even and have recommended that. So great book. Yeah. Uh, I brought a recommendation as well, especially on this, on this topic of worship and a little bit about liturgy as well. It's called uh, Does God Care How We Worship? Uh, it's by Ligan Duncan, and it's disappearing. Wow, that's cool. Ligan Duncan. <laughs> it is
0: also right an invisibility cloak. <laughs> Special <laughs> effects.
1: <laughs> I so didn't I know we turn had that in the budget. And it'll stay. <laughs> does God care how? Oh,
2: there it goes. It's gone.
1: Whatever. The library <laughs> ate it up. It was the library was so desperate to have it back on the shelf. I it guess took it so. itself. So. So
0: and Duncan. Does God care? What is the title? Does
1: God care how we worship? Okay. It's a, uh, it's, and it's another short one too. I think it might does be he, does right he just say her. yes. Uh, Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's it, one, one page. page. It says yes, really big. And then it's just a bunch of blank pages after that.
2: Nice.
1: Um, Yeah. 88 pages. And so there's lots of, lots of really good stuff in there. Um, That was really helpful for me. And so I, I recommend it.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Okay. All right, Lee, I think we need a, uh, we need a, a, High priestly blessing. (laughs) I can bless us out. (laughs) Bless the Lord.
1: (laughs) The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.